Thank you for joining me on this journey and welcome to episode 37 of Remembering Our Way Home. This week, our featured guest is beloved son, grandson, and father, Efoape and Dal, as a Babalawo of the Ifa tradition and musician and manager of his mother's international career as a performing artist. FOIPE shares some of the blessings, magic, and miracles of walking the ancient path of Ifa. Welcome to Remembering Our Way Home, a weekly podcast to inspire, enlighten, and empower listeners via personal testimonies, discussions, and interviews with featured individuals who have embraced the transformational and ancient practice of ancestral veneration. Thank you, FOAFE, for joining me this evening on Remembering Our Way Home. I said thank you very much for having me and inviting me. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So my first question is, what comes to your mind, or what do you think about when you hear the word ancestor? Those who came before me. Mm-hmm. Those who walked before me. Those who sacrificed before me. Those who, those who toiled before me. And also, all of those things. And those ancient elders and spirits sacrifice so that we could be here today, so that we could have the opportunities that probably they didn't have. So when I think about ancestors, I think about a journey of a people. Yeah? How did you first become aware of the idea of your ancestors? What was your very first encounter with them? Actually, trying to find out what my great grandson and they were like, trying to find out what my, who was my grandfather, what kind of life he lived, what did he do, you know. So that's the first kind of inclination of um, me trying to connect with my ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because who I look like, who look, you know, because you think about those things and say, okay, I look like my mom, but who does she look like? Or I look like mm. my dad, but who does he look like? He probably look like right. his dad, but I don't know his dad. Yeah. And some of us are so unfortunate that we don't even have pictures. How has developing a relationship with your ancestors guided you on your life journey? Um, well... My grandmother, who has passed now and lives in the realm of the ancestors, played a very important role in teaching life stories and life skills and, you know, being able to face a lot of things in life. She was a very strong African woman. And... She grew me up that way, 
and then she passed on. And only when she passed on, I realized a lot of the, of the advice that she would have told me when I was alive, when she was alive, sorry, it's, I could easily put it into everyday life every single day, you know? So, and she used to tell me that she got that from her mom and her great-grandmom and all of them kind of things. So it showed me that there's a certain type of, you know, spiritual connection in terms of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that our ancestors have had and they have passed down. So it perked my interest in finding out a lot more about my own ancestors, but it didn't stop there. It took me to find out about our ancestral lines, period, you know? So, yeah, that kind of sparked me, my grandmother. Wow, I see. Where was your grandmother born? She was born in Grenada. Oh, yeah, Grenada. Okay, I see. Yeah. I see. And yeah. we and you were born where? In Grenada. Oh, you were born in Grenada. Oh, I see. And how But I was conceived I was conceived in Trinidad. Oh, I see. And then you were born well, in Grenada. Okay. I see, I see. Yeah, I was born to the two main Erases in our cosmopolitan twin island. My father is East Indian, and my mom is African. No, I, I, I said African descendant because I don't want to oh. mislead anybody oh, to okay, think okay. that you know, when I say she's African, a lot okay. of people would think that she's born on the continent. Oh, but um, oh, I see. That's because a lot of us see. Um, nationality before race. Mm. Yeah, ain't that something? Yeah, true. So I am not a race. I am a nation. I'm part of a nation. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that is a part of our problem Mm -hmm. with our own African people Mm -hmm. that we see ourselves as a separate because we have carried different passports or we may speak different languages. And I believe that creates more of a block than it creates stepping stones and open doorways Mm -hmm. for communication and unification and more understanding of our own selves. That's just my little take. Do you happen to know what what country in Africa your family descends from? Well, I believe it's on the west coast of Nigeria because mm-hmm. my grandmom used to be singing Igbo songs. Wow. And my, on my grandfather's side, she used to be always, my, my grandmother used to be complaining about these Yoruba people in her mm-hmm. Grenadian accent. What did these Yoruba people do to my yard? 
Right. So her husband was, which is my grandfather, he was clearly from the Yoruba tribe, and mm-hmm. she was from the Igbo tribe. Oh, okay. Wow. Interesting. Because she used to sing this song. I don't know the meaning. I just remember the song. And it goes something like this. Ibo, Ibo, Salmana. Musa mama ibo salmana, Musa papa baijo salmana, Musa mama baijo salmana, ibo ibo salmana, Musa mama ibo salmana, Musa papa baijo salmana, woi woi woi, salmana woi 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 woi, salmana. So I don't even know the language or the meaning of that wow, song. Wow, beautiful. But it sounds to me like my my papa is Igbo, my mother is Igbo. It's, you know, yeah. I have not gone into it, but it's just a song my grandmother can That's sing. powerful. It just resonated all in my soul. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Thank you. That's yeah, beautiful. You. So do you have consecrated space in your home? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. What kind of things do you do daily, monthly, weekly to honor or celebrate your ancestors? Because of the ancestral shrine that I have on my compound, Mm -hmm. it incorporates what we would have called the indigenous people of this land. Mm -hmm. Some Some people in history may call them Caribs and Arawaks, but they were called here the Katarina people. I've heard of that name. Right. So these were the indigenous ancestors. Yes. So our ancestral shine in our yard consists of the indigenous ancestors and all the other diaspora ancestors who, you know, Africans, as well for me, Indians. When one wakes up in the morning, the first thing one does is give God thanks for saying another day. Yes. You give God thanks for being able to wake up. Yes. So when I start my day like that, Mm-hmm. then I would go into my prayer room and pray. Mm-hmm. Then I would go to the different spaces in the yard and I would check to see who has water, you know, and pour libations by them. Yeah. Yeah. And after I pull libation, I will say prayer. I will say prayer to of respect, mm-hmm. prayer of gratitude, and then ask for any favors or wishes or needs mm. that I will have. Then at the ancestral space, I will offer things like drink, food, tobacco, 
you know, olive oil, palm oil, honey, OBC, Orugbo, I will appease my ancestors. I will appease all the shrines. This is where you start your day. You start your day with prayer. You start your day with acknowledgement. And you also give offerings. So I would offer coffee in the morning. I will refresh their water. I will pour libation. Um, if there are certain things happening, I will make offering and say, ancestors, I have brought this for you or I brought that for you. And on days that we will cook some of my known ancestors' special food that they would have liked, we would also offer the food that we cooked on that day. And once we are making offering of food that we cooked on that day to the ancestors, one of the protocols that we would follow is that no one is allowed to eat until the ancestors' food is placed at the Ojubo, which you will call shrine. Do you notice a difference in your family dynamics and or your relationships as a result of venerating your ancestors? I would answer that question with a resounding most definitely, of course. What are some of the blessings, magic, and miracles you've witnessed in your life? as a result of developing a relationship with your ancestors? Okay. Mm-hmm. I would like to share a life experience with you. Many years ago, I traveled from Canada to New York to spend time with family for summer, but also to enjoy the carnival celebrations there. Nice, nice. I went to a, a, a fete party, and I was I was I well, let's say this way: <laughs> I was a victim of mistaken identity. Oh, four guys decided that I was a part of a gang. That oh, stopped gosh. up their cousin in Ooh. in Queens. Oh gosh! So I'm gonna make it really quick. They accused me of being a part of this gang. I told them I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I only went to Queens to go to the airport. I'm in and out of JFK. I don't hang. I'm from Canada. They were bent and they said it's me. Ooh. So they put so they put um, a gun in my mouth. Ooh. And they pulled the trigger, but the gun jammed. So then they pulled out knives and they started stabbing me all over my body. I started to pray and I said, God, I don't deserve this. This is Mm -hmm. not how I want my life to end. I don't even know these people. Please Mm -hmm. save me. And I heard a voice in my head said, play dead, play dead. The third time the voice said, play dead. Mm. I just dropped. So when I dropped, they stopped stabbing me. And they started to walk off. So I held my breath because I didn't want anybody to come and check to see if I was breathing. Because I didn't know what the hell I was going to do next. 
So I lay down there. Then my body starts going into in voluntarily convulsions. Convulsions. And they seen that happening, and one of them said, he's still moving, he's still moving. Ooh. And they came back. And when they came back, mm. they stabbed me in the back of my neck. That one, that one last stab in the back of my neck. It was very close to my spinal system, my vertebrae, yeah? Mm, mm, mm. And they launched that one inside the base of my neck. And I just felt pressure. I didn't feel pain. Mm. And I heard something like it broke. Then they left me because I didn't say, mm, I didn't say, I just took that stuff. I didn't act like if I came alive. I remained there. And then they stabbed and they, they were satisfied that, yeah, he dead now for sure. And they left me there and the voice came back. The voice said, because I started to hear water started to run like liquid running. Afterwards, I realized it was my blood. That sounded okay. sound like an aquarium pump. Mm. Or like a drain, even like a face basin sink running water. Mm. So after that, the voice came back in my head and said, get up and run, you're going to die. Get up and run. And I got up and I said, but, but, but I was so afraid to run because I wasn't sure if they were still there. You know, so I got up and I saw this. I think it was um, what you call it in New York, um, a dollar van. Yes, yes, yep, and yep. The van came out of nowhere, and I saw the lights, and I'm like, "Yo, I'm making a dash for it." And I made a dash, and I went out in the middle of the street, and I begged him. I opened my hands, I said, "Please help me, help me!" And he drove around me. So by that time, the blood in my head started to clot in my eyes. Because remember, most of the stabs were in my head. Oh, gosh. And so I started to run behind this van until I came to a crossroad that was illuminated and it had a McDonald's there or some restaurant there. And this guy stopped and he said, Please sit down. He was crying. He was like, oh, God, please sit down. Sit down. I'm like, no, bro, call the police. Because by this time, I'm, I just finished running out the road. My blood is hot. I have a piece of knife in the back of my head I don't know about. Oh. And I, I'm afraid. And I want to get help. I don't want to die. Yes. So the ambulance came. They took me to Kings County Hospital. I went through surgery. Mm. with the piece of knife in the back of my neck. When they put me back into the scanner, Ooh. that's when they said, what the hell? And the scanner started beeping and shit. And they said, take him out, take him out, take him out. Turn him over, turn him over, turn him over. I was like, what the hell's going on? Because I'm, I'm listening. They were trying to yeah. knock me with all kinds of anesthetic. And that there was a spirit in me was not allowing them to knock me out. Whoa. So I was there. Yeah, and then they turned me over. And when they turned me over, I felt that pressure again in that same spot where 
they stab the last stab. Mm-hmm. And then they pull out the tip of the blade that they stabbed me with. Mm. And, when they, and when they held it up in the light to see what it was, and I seen it was the tip of the blade because I know that when they were stabbing me, they were rocking that knife back and forth, back and forth when they stabbed me. And I heard something like it, it broke. So I wasn't surprised that there was a tip of the knife in my neck, at the back of my neck. Okay. And then I when actually that's when I became unconscious. That's when I passed wow. out. Wow. And the next thing I knew, I woke up the next day with a young a very young Jewish doctor cussing because he was saying why they put staples on soft tissues. And I'm hearing this, why the what do think is the meat market? And then he's cussing. So I'm like, who's this guy cussing? Wow. So I quickly opened up my eye, and there was this guy stitching my hand by himself in the room re-stitching my hand, taking out staples and putting stitches. Ooh. And he was so upset that they stapled all my fingers on my hand and stuff. But he was like, he was very upset. So when I opened my eye, he said, Miracle boy, you're alive. You're up. Mm-hmm. I said, Miracle boy, I said, what are you talking about? He said, you see that knife that we took on the back of your neck? He said, a couple of centimeters, a couple of millimeters, you would have been able only to move your head. Oh, gosh. <laughs> then on the third day, I came out to the hospital. I rose from the bed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. On the third day, I rose from, you know, I rose out of Kings County Hospital. Oh, wow. And there was this food taking place in New York. A wet taking And my place? mom and everything. Like, a feast. An ebo. Okay. Okay. But it was like, it was a traditional Canadian type feast. Where mm-hmm. we would start feast on a Tuesday. We would offer for Ogun on Tuesday. Then on a Wednesday, we would offer for the watered mm-hmm. deities and a couple of the healing deities like Osain, Pavaluaye, Eule. Yeah. Mm. So I went on the Wednesday because I started up on the Sunday night into Monday morning and I came out on the third day, which was the Wednesday. So I came out on the Wednesday and I went to this feast. And there's a Calypsonian in Canada and Tobago. He's an artist. He's a recording and performing artist. His name is Michael Asuna, a.k.a. the Sugar Aloes. And he manifested a relay. And he called me to the front of the of the service of the gathering of the feast. Mm. And he told me, don't say anything. And he just, he told me everything that happened to me. And I guess he wanted to prove that it is a true spirit of Oludumari God that is before me. Because you know how hard and stubborn and doubtful I am. Wow. But God, God, he knows this. So wow. he called me up, 
And as you, I, I, I don't know if you know, but one of the tools that Erile Ajaja holds is the dagger. Yes, yes. <laughs> so wow. you're dancing with the dagger. I'm like, yo, I just got stabbed up. And you want yes. me to come to you with a knife in your hand? No, it's okay. <laughs> Whoa. I'm fine. I'll say right here. <laughs> and he was like, go, the spirit. I said, with spirit? I said, you have a knife. Right. I said, you see all these bandages on me? I just got stabbed up. I came to the hospital today. Blood clots is still dry on my hands. Crispy. Mm. And so my mom came and she convinced me, come, come, the spirit going to talk to you. And the spirit told me, he said, don't talk. And he hold up his fingers and he said, four. And I counted four guys. I'm like, yeah. Mm. I shook my head. So I'm just shaking my head. He said, um, and he, he made his hand like a gun. And he pushed it in my mouth. He said, no go. No go. I said, nope. I shake my head. I said, no, the gun didn't go off. Then he took the knife again, and he started to dance around me, stabbing. I'm like, yeah, that is what happened. So, and so then he asked me, he said, if I heard someone speaking or talking in my ears, in my head, he said, mm. well, in his words, when the manifestation will come, they will speak a different tone, voice, language, everything. Mm-hmm. So the human being who would be speaking like this now, he would be speaking like this. Are you here, uh, 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 business, in your business, you hear talky-talky in your business. They'll be searching for words. Mm-hmm. Like this person can't speak English. Mm-hmm. So you know it's the ancestors who are here in the flesh. Yeah. So the ancestors, he said to me, he said, you know, who I thought was speaking in my in my ears. I said, well, I was praying to God. And he slapped his chest and he said, well, him, send me, fix on you. I said, okay, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. And that led me on to my search. Mm. Who is Orisha? Yes. Who are ancestors and what role they play in my life? How they could know what happened to me and save me, and I don't know anything about this way of life. Mm. So on the on the second day when I was in hospital, I had a conversation with God. I sat up on the bed and I said, "Well, okay, you win because it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have been here." I said, "So here what?" What you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do. <laughs> yes. I, I, this is my honest, honest to God. Yes. Whatever you want me to do, just make sure it makes me happy, please. Right. You I got said, me. Because I did a lot of things in this life, and I used to have to pull myself up by the back of the scruff of the neck to get going to work, and I was a paralegal. I had my own law firm, paralegal firm. I mean, I was making money. I was living in Canada. I was living a good life. Wow. And then I went to the States and I got stabbed up. I was like, what the hell? What am I supposed to do? Well, whatever you want me to do, you tell me. But That's right. Let me be happy doing it. It That's must right. bring joy to me. And right. I want to learn to play a bit guitar. Because I could have been <laughs> surely dead at it. I would have been dead if it wasn't for you. And I would not have been able to 
do what I dream I want to do. I want to play, I want, I don't want to play in a band. I don't want to be the best bass player in the world. I just want to be able to pick a tune or two. You know what I'm saying? And I'll be good. Wow. And the spirit told me, he said, God just wants you to walk a straight road and do his bidding, do his work. Wow. He said, once you do that, all things will be taken care of for you. Mm. Yes. So that led me to doing some research on Orisha. And then I f- found out that Orisha went to Ifa. So I had to find out about Ifa. So I started to find out about Ifa. And then I found out Ifa is based on decoded messages directly from Urudumara God. I was like, okay, I need to know about this. And that's how the ancestors had played a miraculous part of my life. Because if it wasn't for the ancestors, I wouldn't have been here today. So I say, I do pray lopo lopo ego, monife egungu, ibashe Urudumara, ashe, ashe, ashe. Wow. But I always tell people, that was the best day of my life. And you're like, what? That's the day that I started to get to know God. Ooh, that's a powerful that's testimony. My, that's, my, that's my testimony towards uh. the works and the miracles that my ancestors have performed on my personal behalf. That's a big one. Oh, goodness. Ooh, yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, that's heavy. It's a beautiful reminder of, of of the joy and harmony that we can experience on our life journey when we surrender, you know, and we are obedient to our mm-hmm. purpose. You know, while we're here, we get off track with aligning ourselves with our purpose. But once, you know, once we go through experiences like that, it's like, okay, you mm-hmm. just tell me what to do. <laughs> Exactly. You got me. You got me. Whatever you need me to do. Whatever you yep, want me to do. Whatever you want me to go. You got me. <laughs> Whatever you want me to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's powerful. Wow. Yeah, I'm back in Ooh. class now. Full attention. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. You got undivided. It's beautiful, my it's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Because you know what? You know what? It just made me understand that it's all well and good to believe in God, but it's so right. much better to know God. Say that. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely. It's so much better to know God and to know your purpose and to know. So after that, I went and I did um, initiation into Ifa. He tell mm-hmm. us to initiate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was told mm-hmm. by Ifa that... I am to, my future and my destiny is to be a Babalao and to have my own businesses. But I am not allowed to work for anybody. Why is developing a relationship with your ancestors important? Um, I would simply say if you don't know where you're coming from, you never know where you're going. We are just, you know, continuation of, of the past. 
Yes. Yes. So to me, it's very significant and important to know and to connect to where you're coming from so you can get to know who you are, so you can align yourself as close as possible to your true purpose and understand why you're here. Mm-hmm. You know, and to use the strengths and the gifts from God and all the divinities and your ancestors included to try to make this human life for yourself, your family, and for your communities and wider spread nation, international, universal, a more amicable and harmonious space to live in. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's just how I feel. The, 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 the concept of Sankofa if you don't know where you're coming from, how are you going to know where you need to go? My final question mm. is, what would you say to inspire or encourage others who are interested in cultivating a spiritual relationship with their ancestors? You know, there are lots of people out there who, who you know, feel funny about the idea of worshiping I would say to somebody who is coming out of this mind control systematic societal structure that we have here, Mm -hmm. I would tell that person to seek more information Mm -hmm. on where they feel their most deepest connection. Mm-hmm. If they feel it in dance, drumming, singing, music, priesthood, helping people, consultation, caring, whatever area of your life that gives you a happiness and a joy, a true deep joy inside of you, mm-hmm. explore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. And then look at where you come from, who you come from, and research that. For my own self, I also research Hinduism because my, my, my dad is East Indian descent, and his mom came down as the child of an indentured laborer when they had finished slavery, and they brought the Indians down to work. So here I am, a child of two different nations. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So I decided to seek my ancestry by just finding out culture, traditional ways, and then religious ways, and then language, and stuff like that. So that I would tell anybody who, you know, just has an interest. But for those of us who have a calling, we will have to go through the process and research this calling. As for your own self, your own journey 
to become initiated, you were called into it. You had a calling. And you followed that call and you researched that call. So, as they say, you know, that connection reaches you, but you have to be able to, to listen, to hear, to understand, and to be patient. A lot of us are so busy requesting what we need or what we think we need or wants or desires that we bypass all the true gifts that we do already have. So I would say get to know yourself through the roads that the ancestors had laid down for you and also walk because of you and get to understand and appreciate the type of sacrifices that our ancestors made for our survival. Yeah? Yeah. It was the royal and soul penetrating vibration of Ella and Dal's voice, her divine melodies, beautiful harmonies, and tone that connected me to her timeless music. Perhaps fate that in my attempt to reach out to her, I instead connected to her one and only offspring, Richard Efoape and Dow. Richard was born into a musical world. His father, a still pianist, and his mother, Ella, a singer who blossomed into one of Trinidad and Tobago's most popular recording artists and holds international reputation to this day. FOIP developed many skills, including drumming, singing, and playing steel pan in phase two. As his mother's percussionist and vocalist, he performed in Trinidad and Tobago and internationally, being called upon on many occasions to perform for a variety of world-renowned dignitaries, including the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, and Winnie Mandela. This week's scripted wisdom reflects on the experiences and insights of our featured soul. Truth without action is knowledge that has no conviction. Richard Efoape and Dow. Sankofa, go back and fetch it. We must look back to the past so that we may understand how we became what we are and move forward to a better future. Our souls 
do not like stagnation. Our souls aspire toward growth. That is toward remembering all that we have forgotten due to our trip to this place, the earth. Maladoma Patrice Somay.